Hello, hello, and welcome to the Black Women Working Podcast. It is Chantel here. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hola. Hola, hola. Um, so, as always, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. For those of you who are new to the podcast, you can find us on social media using the handle at BWWPodcastUK. You can also find us via the World Wide Web. That's the free W's, blackwomenworking.com. We're on LinkedIn, searching the same name. Um, and for a more personal touch, you can email us on blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. Um, we love to hear from you in terms of your feedback on episodes, ideas, um, and just like bringing us along on your journey when you've learned something um, from my episodes. So please do connect with us. Right. I have a really um, unspoken about kind of serious, serious topic to broach today. And I want to talk about um, fertility mm. and like the three parts, fertility, black women, workplace. So I'm going to start with a little preface around the stats because as always, I say this a lot, but when we're doing episodes, I always think, oh, but is this a black woman issue? And then when I started delving, I was like, oh my God, there's so many layers to this that we haven't perhaps all considered or know about. Anyway, so a new ethnic report, a new report, sorry, um, by the titled Ethnic Diversity in Fertility and Treatment highlights that 31% of black fertility patients have fertility problems related to their fallopian tubes compared to 18% of other patients. And I pulled that stat first because I think that resonates with other episodes that we've done, like on endometriosis mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and women's health and the fact that black women are more susceptible. But I don't think they're, can you just clarify, I don't think they're more susceptible. I just think they don't get the treatment that, that they, they should be getting. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then more specifically in terms of fertility, so this isn't necessarily, these stats aren't necessarily for black women, but fertility yeah. as an issue. Over one third, so 38% of employees undergoing fertility treatment have considered leaving their jobs. Over half have experienced decreased job satisfaction while trying to conceive. <laughs> one third taken um, increased sickness absence. Two thirds reported that they've had reduced engagement at work. One fifth, 20% didn't even report to their employers that they were going through fertility treatment. And up to 60% of people felt that they had to hide the real reason why they were taking time off. And I mean, th these are highlight issues, but I'm, I'm going to take a step back even. Fertility, basically, fertility in the workplace is clearly an issue and one that's not spoken about. Um, but when we think about ourselves as women, you know, there's often that chat about, and we did an episode on compromise versus sacrifice, like when is the right time? When do you choose to have a child? And women are delaying motherhood um, over career to over career. Oh, delaying career, is that right? Choosing their career over motherhood. Mm. Um, seeking out what's referred to as social freezing, um, which is when you freeze your eggs because of um, lifestyle rather than medical reasons. And mm -hmm. that comes at a cost. Um, and despite this cost, actually, when it comes to, um, when it comes to success, and this is quite sensitive, especially to our listeners who might be going through this at the moment, only 18% of patients using their own frozen eggs in IVF treatment go on to have a baby. So we're talking about a lot of investment in terms of emotion, time, money, 
um, with no real guarantee. And um, what concerned me when I was reading some of these stats was that, like, black women are statistically less likely to access IVF. Um, like, the numbers are wild. Like, black Caribbean women, the numbers in two, between 2014 and 2018 were 1,141 in comparison to 190,000 white British patients. Wow. And so I guess my first speaking point with you guys, and I know that we can't all speak to this in the same way, is like, what do we think are the things that are stopping black women from accessing IVF fertility treatment or leaving it till significantly later than our white counterparts? I mean, sometimes I feel like stats need a little bit more context mm. because I feel like sometimes you can't, it's hard to read the room with stats, right? So a lot of, someone could look at those stats and be like, well, black Caribbean women are not accessing it. Maybe because they don't need it, which I doubt is the truth. Um, so I, I think, and then also separately, is that NHS mm. access or is that private access? Because the borough that you live in, the NHS trust that you're a part of, is going to determine what facilities are going to be available to you. If you decide that, you know, after you've done a round with the NHS, which people can do, I believe they can get one round with the NHS as it stands now at the date that we're recording. If you've been trying for more than a year and you haven't got pregnant, sometimes people have the funds to go on and do a second round and to do a third round mm. and to pay for it. A lot of people don't. So even within those stats, there needs to be a further breakdown in terms of like, where are these people based? Is this private or is this, you know, publicly funded? What age are those people? And I think there's just so much misinformation about fertility treatment, about IVF. Lots more people are beginning to talk about it but I still feel like there is, even from someone who has frozen their eggs, there is still so much that I had to figure out and find out, even though I was paying a lot, or I'm still paying a lot of money to go through a process. See, I think I think money is a huge factor. And yeah, I think, absolutely. I mean, this is broadly speaking, but I think black people can struggle to invest in themselves and not because they don't want to. I think that comes with, the the lack of resources that mm. our previous generations have had. So to pay for things such as therapy, fertility treatment, there's yeah. often this, you know, it will figure itself out. And I think with fertility, there's like this misconception, like old school around, you know, black and bane people typically having a higher birth rate, having more children. So I think, I think there's also like an ignorance around the fact that, mm we will be able to have babies and, and as many babies mm. as we want yeah. because because we do. Um, but this is a 21st century, right? New day, new age, new time, new place. I also think um, on top of the money, it can be convenience as well because mm. say somebody has the money, then it's a fact because it's not easy to balance all this stuff around your schedule. Mm. There's the emotional and psychological impact mm. but then a physical impact mm. of like trying to manage your day-to-day -day life as well and also 
another factor as well, which I literally just thought of just now could be religious because mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's a lot true, of people yeah. may prefer to attack it from a spiritual angle where they're praying, they're praying, they're praying mm-hmm. and doing all of those kind of things. And maybe also, especially for people who might be Catholics or Roman Catholics, I don't know what their policies are with, with regards to these things, but some of them don't believe in doing yeah. things like IVF because they believe that once um, an egg is fertilized and it becomes a fetus, that is a child. And now if you're just selecting kind of you're doing god's job essentially Mm, those kind of things so there can be like religious factors as well which i think probably pays a really big part especially when it comes to our community in terms of things like that and then the stigma and the shame of also having to to go for ivf Mm. because yeah believe it or not people still do have um a stigma and shame about that absolutely um conceiving in a way that's not perceived to be um natural so Ah, so many different factors, yeah. individual differences. And like Natalie said, a further breakdown is required and needed because even that statistic that you said with regards to how many black women was it that have accessed it compared to how many white women? Well, first of all, you've got to look at the proportion of us to white people in, in the population mm. and see if so we are proportionally... Um, is it a proportional representation? Yeah, exactly. Is it a proportional it's, representation it of that? And then obviously there's so many different in, in, uh, factors, et cetera, that can speak into to why those figures are the way they are as well. Like looking at who specifically of those communities are accessing it mm. as well. Is it more so like maybe middle-class people or what do you call well, the top of class? The top, upper class. Top of class, top of class, class. Upper class people, sorry. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And who exactly of our community who are accessing those things, who is it? specifically mm. what class what socioeconomic status all those kind of things as well i mean but i think that speaks to the factor that speaks to some of the other the, the, the cross factors like we said about costs and stuff and actually when i was looking up this excuse me this topic i came across um as in a british Zimbabwean blogger mm. i think her blog's called un unfertilized oh. or unfertility um, and she she spoke about religion being a factor. She spoke about the fact that actually so much of, I'll say our, because she was speaking from the context of a black woman, our existence, our womanhood is validated in having, having children. children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When are you going to have children? Haven't you had any kids yet? Um, and so that does add to that layer of shame. And although we're not going to, I didn't plan to talk about it, I think it's probably worth noting on the topic of shame is that Actually, there is a, a significant amount of fertility, fertility issues that lay with the man. And as Absolutely. women, mm-hmm. we take on this responsibility because our biological we clock is ticking us. or we're carrying the they baby. They have biological clock too. Just want to make well, that clear. They have biological clock, but they also have issues. So I think one of the blogs I read, the lady was saying that her, her partner had had something wrong with his kidney. Um, and that had interfered with his fertility. But mm-hmm. for 10 years, she was the one doing the mm-hmm. exploration. And so, um, you know, yeah. that whole idea of taking on responsibilities, weight that isn't even necessarily yours, mm-hmm. that we do as black women. But returning to um, the workplace, I think for anyone who knows someone or who is going through fertility treatment themselves, trying for a baby, even when you're not trying. The journey of motherhood is so complicated. It isn't just when I get pregnant and have a baby, you may suffer with 
um, gyne issues to do with your periods, your your menstrual cycle. That's all to do with, you know, having a baby or not. Um, as I said earlier, any other um, related conditions such as endometriosis. But when we speak about fertility in particular, IVF egg freezing, that process, the physical process of having to do it, the 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 non-guarantee of having a baby like people be those for those listeners that don't know IVF is also um sort of marred with sequences of miscarriages mm. as part of that process of mm. of conceiving which people who are trying to conceive naturally are less likely not don't but less likely to go Even through implementing implementation the idea of having it's one thing to like have a miscarriage and do whatever you need to do, whether that's continue to go to work or take some time out. But if you're going through IVF and there's a sequence of them, how much time can you take off? How much, how much does this sort of, for want of better phrasing, disturb your normal, your normal way of life when you know, actually this is a process I'm going through. And, you know, to have to wear that mask, to have to do business as usual when you're going through fertility treatment or fertility issues, I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. It's one thing to go through the round successfully, get pregnant, blah, blah, blah. But if for, and you hear people saying, I've had 10 rounds or I've been doing IVF for four years, five Eight years. Eight years, 10 years. Jesus, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And to not talk about, should should this be something that workplaces are talking about? Um, in my personal opinion, um, I don't think workplaces should be the ones to kind of prescribe that. I think yeah. it's a very sensitive one because maybe some people want to talk about it in the work context, but maybe people don't. In my particular workplace, they have a forum for people to speak about fertility issues, which are these sessions. I think they I think they happen monthly or every couple of months. And then people can sign up to um, be in this discussion and given the Zoom link or whatever. I don't actually know what goes down in it, but I just know that everyone, the whole company is sent this every so often and explains what's going to happen in a session. So I think having things like that can be really helpful so that people can utilize that resource if they want to. Um, I don't know how many people going through the process would actually want to have to come to work and talk about mm. it. Work might actually be their place of escape from all of mm-hmm. what they're going through. I mean, I can't speak to it either side, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that I would want to come into work and discuss it with colleagues, especially if they're not people that I'm close to or may not have like the compassion and understanding of the situation that I would require them to have. I'm inclined to think that Nah, it's none of your business. And mm. I'm I'm inclined mm. to think that I'd probably mask it and I wouldn't really want to tell anybody that I'm going through it. Um, to be honest with you, I think I think that's where I you never know unless you're in the situation. I don't know. I think if, if it if it means that you need time off work and you need to go to your scans and appointments, you do need to say. Um and mm-hmm. also I think that people people underestimate the impact that the hormones will have on you. Even not even things of like making you emotionally unstable or, you know, extreme PMS symptoms, just even your ability to concentrate. Mm. Um, Not just because of the hormones, but because of the whole emotional thought process. People don't realize how intensive it is. So it's not even just 
injecting yourself multiple times a day. It's going to scans every other day and having news at that scans that might not be good news that can set you up for the rest of the day. Then having to have your eggs extracted. Then if you're going through IVF, have those eggs fertilized. I don't know if that's the correct phrase. And then have them re-implanted. Like the toll it takes on your body physically and mentally and emotionally. And then on top of that as well, where you are telling friends, if you don't have friends, if you don't have friends in your circle who've already gone through IVF or egg freezing, you become the place where everyone starts asking questions. Mm. Like literally, the amount of people have been asking me questions about what the egg freezing process is like. It gets to a point where it's like, I don't want to keep answering these questions. And I'm not mad at them because it's not like I can say, oh, you can just Google because you can't actually, mm. you can't actually just Google. So it's exhausting. But in the same breath, I'm like, well, I'm going through this process. And even if I wanted to know some of this information, because of self subsequently, I've tried to look it up. I actually haven't been able mm. to find a lot of information about even understanding what the individual hormones are doing to me and which hormones in my body they're meant to be adding to just so I can have an understanding of how my reaction is going to be, how my mood is going to be. And I think we don't actually have a good understanding. And I think we're getting a better understanding of even basic things like how different points in your cycle can impact your mood, your emotions, your concentration levels, your ability to exercise, what choices you should make in terms of food mm-hmm. and activities. So then add all these foreign chemicals into that, the emotional and financial pressure of going through this type of process, um, add in a, a dash of shame as well that you're going through it. And then on top of that, um, just add in having to continue to live on as normal. It's a lot. I could, I could do a mask. I think... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I could. I mean, I just want to give people, when I say masking, I mean, just, I wouldn't give people the information. I think with appointments and stuff, because now I'm a matured individual and I I know what my rights are. Then yeah, the necessary stuff of telling I've got an appointment. Do I even want to go into the details with that with a manager? But the thing is, I feel like you don't, I personally feel like, and this is what I did. I didn't go into it and be like, you know, this, this, and that. I just said, I'm freezing my eggs. So I'm going to need time off. Okay. Yeah, exactly. and I just said it in a sense of I'm freezing my eggs, so I'm gonna need a bit of grace. Okay. Because on a basic emotional Sorry, who level. Who did you say that to? Your boss or boss. HR? Okay. No. I'm, what, what am I gonna tell those queens of Babylon? What am I gonna tell them? <laughs> for? They what monitor the do? sick. They leave the medical leave in it. Yeah, but I feel like no. But so I'm mean, also people might not know who to go to. That's why I'm. Yeah, I I feel like um I know people are gonna tell me if I say this. There's what is the point of going to HR? Because all they're gonna do is pull out their rule book. And just begin to stress mm. you out even more. Mm. Whereas I feel like if you talk to your boss and you can say to your boss on a level, this is what's going on, mm. depending on the type of manager you have, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they actually have compassion, if they are a parent as well, mm-hmm. then you're going to be, the conversation you're going to have with them. And also if they're, they are a woman as well, um, the conversation you're going to have with them is hopefully going to be one focused around your well-being, you know, support and just getting the best out of it. Like, I told them once, they weren't calling me to ask me what the process was like, da 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 And then, like, I would take a sick day if I knew I was having an extraction. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Extraction. Yeah. But I had to tell, I felt like I had to tell them because I couldn't concentrate at work. Mm. I felt, like, very overwhelmed. I felt extremely tired when I was going through the process. So on a basic level, I was kind of sick. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't want to tell them I'm specifically egg freezing, you kind of do need to tell them that you're sick. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are. Because you, you actually, you, you might not have an illness, yeah. but your body is not the same as it was two months ago when you weren't injecting yourself twice or three, even up to three times a day. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Mm-mm. The point that you make about going to HR and then pulling up their rule book yeah. or whatever is an is an interesting one for me because I also found out some things that co- that are covered in maternity policy. Um, under fertility yeah. that I don't think all organisations have. Yeah, it depends on your your organisation, right? yeah. And I always I always get thrown back to the moment where I was at my last school and I found um, a menopause policy. And I was like, oh my God, how forward thinking. And my, my friend brought me right back down. I was like, only because somebody's experienced it. <laughs> it's relevant to the person at the top right now. So they put that policy right? in place, yeah. And so although... By and large, I would expect most um, employers have a maternity policy. They probably are not highlighting any of the aspects of of fertility in your maternity rights. So um, I came across this charity that champions for um, women's rights in terms of fertility in the workplace. And one of the did you know, so I'm going to just go through a couple of did you knows that should be in policies. And things that employers are doing and you lot can chip in if you think more needs to be done or whatever. But did you know, if fertility treatment is successful, maternity rights and protection continue from the date of the embryo transfer until the end of the the woman's maternity leave. If fertility treatment is not successful, maternity rights and the protection apply from the date of transfer and then for a further two weeks after a negative test. So what does that mean? So my my interpretation of that in terms of the negative is obviously for people who find out they then who people who are naturally trying to conceive they they'll, they'll, they'll just find out they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're going through IVF, you kind of know the date it's of your transfer. Mm-hmm. So your maternity rights start from the date of your transfer, and then if you get a negative. Um, you get two a weeks negative grace test. Period. You get two weeks yeah. grace, and that's within maternity rights. Do all HR know about this? Is this into all policies? So when people ask, what is that a statutory right? That's a part I don't know, mm. but it's worth exploring, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know because this is not part of my lived experience. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't know that it's something that I could or should be looking for either, and I think. With issues that are not spoken about that are taboo, people struggle along thinking, oh, well, it's, it, it, I'll, I'll just have to, I can't take that much more time off or whatever. But there could be, I don't know if it's a statutory right, but it could be. And we just don't know because it's not held up. It's not in policies. Um, there's also currently a voluntary fertility workplace pledge, which at least four um, huge UK employers I'm going to say huge I'm talking like the likes of Channel 4 um, have signed up to which give employees the right to request flex- flexible working and reasonable adjustments to attend things like IVF Scans um, appointments like yeah. yeah but again what is this pledge who knows of it like does it is it even gonna does, does a pledge or some paper encourage a cultural shift if you've got a boss that's like women are a problem at the workplace because you lot always 
you know, you're taking time off for childcare. Now you want to take time off to try and be like, just mm. because it's in policy doesn't mean the culture is going to nurture. Mm. I mean, for me, uh, I think one of the first places I'll check to see if something's statutory is the .gov.uk website because that covers yeah, exactly. all of these kind of things. Absolutely. So that's where you could find out if it's statutory across the country. Um, but then if it's a policy of the workplace, no matter what resistance any manager or anything says, yes, I don't is. give a damn. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You're entitled to it. If they want to kick up a stink about it, well, then that now becomes an issue because you're trying to deny somebody of their rights that their workplace has given you. So, yeah, I think for people that want to embark on the journey, it'd be good to understand clearly what's the statutory right and what's the workplace policy. If there is one, if there's a workplace policy, fantastic. That's mm. great. And then to maximize that as much as possible. Um, but also it it speaks to, but the thing is, you never know when these kind of things are going to become important to you. Yeah, because I feel true. as women, it's so annoying, right? You like, I feel like in the next few years, I need to think about where I work. <laughs> And the rights that they have with regards mm-hmm. to maternity, mm-hmm. just in case, you know, that's the path I want to go down. Like I have to be thinking of these things and their policies. And it means I might have to stay in a place that I'm not necessarily because enjoying the work. Any, um, exactly. Your maternity package. Please, oh, the men are not going through this. I, it's, it's too much. <laughs> it's, it's a lot Honestly. to kind of bear on top of all the other things that we're dealing with as people that are not, you know, the host uh, ethnicity in this country. So it's a lot of things to deal with, to be honest with you. Like, I really applaud the people who are like, I want what I want and I'm going after it because it's not an easy journey. But at the end of the day, like I say, only one life to live. You've just got to do what you've got to do. Mm. That's fun of thoughts. I mean, there's so much more to talk about. I I don't even think we probably really honestly scratched the surface. Um, Yeah. There's just so much more. I mean, in terms of policies, obviously, like Toll says, if there's something you're going to go, go and embark on that route, your best bet is to get policied up, to look at the policy, to know what the policy says, um, so you know your basic rights, and then to go on gov.uk so you have a basic understanding of what you're entitled to. And I think that's about it. Like you say, um, people can sign up to pledges I mean, let's put it this way. People have been signed up to pledges say they're not going to be racist. Here <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are. So I agree with you 100% on the pledges, but I just think that people need to realise that um, sometimes fertility not working out the way you want it to work mm. will require you to stop and focus on it. Mm-hmm. And that will require you to put a pause on some aspects of your career. and. I think possibly one of the reasons why it might be harder for black women to access it is because unless you're working corporately like me in a senior position, it's going to be much harder for you to say, actually, for these three months or four months, I'm going to be quite quitting or I'm going to be on a go slow um, because I want to sort out, well, not sort out, like you say, but I want to invest that time in my fertility. There's a lot of privilege in it Mm. in terms of being able to have a job where you don't get paid per hour, so you can take breaks, so you can go to doctor's mm-hmm. appointments, so where you can work, even ask to work remotely, um, mm-hmm. and also more importantly, where you can afford it. Fertility treatments are friggin' expensive, prohibitively so, and they're not getting, they're not getting any cheaper. Mm. Yeah, and um, you know when people have had years and years of fertility treatment, 
is costing thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. And that in and of itself is super, super, super stressful. And then if you take the fact that you need to take time off work, that you need to prioritize yourself, your health, add that I'd being a black woman and a minority in the workplace on top of that, trying to do something which mm. is awkward in the first place, aka get pregnant. Whereas, like you were saying, you have some bosses who are like, oh, everyone's getting pregnant. Everyone's getting pregnant. I'm going to have to pay them. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just a big toxic mess, basically. Yeah. I think one thing that I would like to say to people listening to this is don't make any assumptions oh, about your fertility. Exactly is that what, what you're just about to say? to say? Yeah, you cannot like, do it. You cannot I feel like it. a lot of us walk through life expecting us things to happen to us when we want them, how it doesn't we want work them like to. That. I think from early, as young as you are now, maybe you've only just stepped into your 20s, Start thinking about worst case scenario and how you plot and how you plan for that. Think about what exactly it is that you want. Think about some, what do you call it, deadlines for yourself in terms of, okay, if I'm not here doing this, earning this, whatever, and fertility Mm. is something that I want to prioritize at this time, how am I going to go about doing this? I've done none of these things, by the way. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Because I'm just like, whatever happens, what happens. I'm not really pressed in that respect. But if you know that you, what you need want to, you. that you want to like prioritize it, plan for it as much as you can or plan for, what do you call it? The plan for the unexpected. Yeah, exactly. But I, w- I would say on a more positive note, I think we just also on a basic level just need to look after ourselves health-wise. First and foremost. So diet, yeah, exactly. exercise, Gynae health, no stress, those those, those self MOTs, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's dental opticians, smear tests, just actually mm-hmm. making sure that you are looking after yourself so you don't get to age, I don't know, 36 and then find out that you've got some hurdle somewhere, whatever that is. And then you're getting met with news about how to look after yourself when you spent the last 10, 10 years, years the exactly burning the candle at both ends. And if you know that there's any genetic predispositions, predispositions yeah, well. in your family as well, be conscious of that and take the action that you need to. And last point is like, even if you don't do all of these things, don't beat yourself up about yeah. it, please. Still progress with positivity. Absolutely. It's not too Mindset late. Do you important. know what I mean? Exactly. It's like 50% of the work and just hopefully you get what you know you want and you're able to move forward into the lifestyle that you want to. It's a tricky one. It's, it's a tough tricky, one. No one's got a magic wand. Do you know what I mean? No, no, absolutely not. But I mean, if there are any fertility, black female fertility experts that would like to come and chat to us on this We'd topic, to have especially you. pertaining to work. Yes, we would love to have you because we can only speak, we can only speak to certain topics exactly. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm in terms of knowledge and lived experience. So come through and and let us know what other black women working need to know. Um, But unfortunately, we at time again, (laughs) girls, we at time. So um, as I've said, as you should know by now, you can get us, get at us on the socials. That's at BWW Podcast UK, black women working on LinkedIn. Also for our website, and you can get in touch with us on a more personal note using our email, which is blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.